the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at YouTube.com slash Cover 3 and all across the 24-7 Sports Facebook network. Thanks for hanging out. Smash the subscribe. Smash that like. And come and join us in the chat. The chat is popping, and it is for subscribers only. And I know that you want to be a part of it. It's free 99. That's how much it costs to subscribe to the Cover 3 podcast here on YouTube. And come and join us in this incredibly exclusive and educational and entertaining chat that we always have during the live shows uh, on YouTube. Um, reminder. We are finalists for the Sports Podcast Awards. In the episode description here and in the episode description on the audio platform, uh, you have a link where you can go and vote for us. We are a finalist against NFL shows, against fantasy football shows. You know, We are, I think, one of the only college football shows up for Best American Football Podcast and the Sports Podcast Awards. And got a little QR code on the screen right there. If you are watching live on YouTube or if you want to go and get it, you can scan that QR code. It'll take you right to where you need to go to vote. It is a fan vote to decide who wins the award. So please, 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 you've gotten us this far. Go and vote for the Cover 3 podcast in the Sports Podcast Awards. Uh, Very excited that we are going to be able to do uh, a show that Danny himself suggested. Danny. Danny. (laughs) (laughs) Danny but it was a good idea and I'll tell you what as I was sitting down to prep for this I was like you know what 
2023 is going to be a little bit wild in terms of conference realignment. It's going to be interesting seeing some of these matchups. These leagues are growing in size, shrinking in size. We're going to get into all that. What you need to know about the new look Big 12, the new look American Athletic Conference, and the new look Cayusa Conference USA uh, also going to have a, a very different feel as we go into the season. We want to let you know about those updates and what we're expecting moving forward. But first, um, saw a, a, a piece from Ross Dellinger at Sports Illustrated. He's a huge fan of the show, and he's got to sit down with Hugh Freeze. And, you know, Hugh Freeze got to sit down, put his feet up on the table, and really start to let Ross in and, you know, where he's at in terms of his return to the SEC. He talked about how much harder it is to be recruiting in the SEC than where he was before with Liberty. And also, you know, how he's going to be approaching things. He says he's delegating more to Philip Montgomery. He's laying low on social media. And I, I just wanted to, you know, see if you got your eyes on the piece. And are you buying? You're buying what Hugh Freeze is selling right now? He's a great recruiter, great salesman. You think that we are going to see Hugh Freeze, hands-off, delegator, CEO type after a long time of being very successful as a play caller and sort of hands-on offensive guy. Um, what what would you get make from uh, what Hugh Freeze had to say from this? I buy it. I mean, it's a smart move. I, I'll say this. I buy it simply because I don't know that it's his choice. Mm. Maybe it is. Maybe it's part of Maybe the school suggested it. Maybe the school is like, you know what? Maybe... Maybe we're better off just kind of sticking or I don't know. I But I believe him. I think that, you know, what happened, what he's gone through, where he's been, and now getting back, getting another shot at it. I think you often see coaches once they've lost what they had in any or not even just coaches, anybody in any line of work. You lose what you had. You thought you were on top of the world and you get a second chance. Maybe, you know, you, you change things up a little bit. So, yeah, I buy him. I think he's I think he's being legit. I think he's going to step away from social media. Not step away, but not be nearly as active well, he's as not he was. Yeah, he's not sliding he up. He's not quite active yeah. before. And like searching himself <laughs> out. For, I mean, we we have documented evidence that there's a there was a lot of like a, a heat-seeking, where are they talking about me, let's go talk yeah. back to them type behavior. Are you saying Hugh Freeze was a name searcher? Yes. That is an allegation, yeah. yes. Yeah, it's not an allegation. Um, <laughs> it's it's the damn well, truth. No, <laughs> maybe maybe you could just intuit whoever was talking uh, or, talking about or him. Or someone on that close day. to Hugh Freeze was a name mm-hmm. at a minimum. I, agreed. I look. I, I buy that he will probably refrain from responding to media members who talk about him. Do I think he'll like stop looking at it? Probably not. Uh, do I think that he is going to give up play calling or hand more duties over to Phil Montgomery? I, Maybe. I mean, Phil Montgomery is probably a pretty good offensive coach, and they were, they were both former high school coaches in that you know that, that sort of tree. So uh, possibly it's, it's clearly somebody who he trusts. I, I don't know that he needs to hand it off, though. I, I thought Hugh Freeze was actually a, a pretty damn good play caller. So I don't know. Like I, I like Ross, too. Just I, Look, if Hugh Freeze is going to work at Auburn, it's going to be because of his recruiting and the fact that he does know how to call offense and he gets guys wide open because they call that offense for a lot of shot plays. And because he's going to you know go out and get guys like a five-star receiver Cam Coleman who's, you know, just a couple miles up the road, like th- those are the type of guys that aren't going to go to Georgia and Bama as consistently as they had been under the former Auburn administration. Like that's that's what it's going to come down to. All, all the rest of this stuff to me is just it's just noise. Like you know, it, sure, stay off from responding on social media probably, maybe 
Well, he had a very honest assessment of the talent level of this roster right now, and he set some expectations. In the same piece, he was able to say, you know, I think this is a place where you can win it all, and that is a sentiment that I believe that has been uh, been shared by us here as well. But he also was saying that, like, look, we need to get better. And he said, you know, I know the guys in that locker room, I'm paraphrasing, he said, I know the guys in that locker room, like, they're not going to love to hear that, but it's just a fact, and we're going to coach them up and this, that, or the other. He was, on one hand, saying we can fulfill all of the highest expectations that came with me arriving at Auburn. And in the other hand, he's pumping the brakes and saying it ain't going to be soon. How long do you think it takes at a place like Auburn with a coach like Hugh Freeze to be able to be contending realistically? Let's start at SEC for SEC championships. Because inherently, if you're competing for an SEC championship, you're competing for a national championship. Is contending making the game or is contending... I don't being even think you need to make I, the game for we're, we're like, we're being like in November and we think yeah. there's a chance. Yeah. It's I don't think it'll take that long. I'm not saying it happens. I don't but I don't think it should take that long anymore. Because I, I think that's the one weird thing about where we are. Because I, I had to write about Wisconsin for the website a couple weeks ago, and it's I wrote about this a little bit in that typically you have seen when a new coach comes in and kind of changes the culture and identity of a program that's been successful doing things one way for a long time, you typically needed a few years for like those changes to really take effect before you could judge whether it was working. But now in the transfer portal era where everybody kind of gets that one free move and you could really re overhaul your roster a lot quicker. I think you have to kind of, reframe how quickly these things can happen. So I don't think Auburn's going to be competing for an SEC title this year. I don't right. think it's realistic to think they'll be doing it in 2024 either. But I think that by 2025, if they're not, means it's probably not going to work. I Yeah, I would agree. Uh, I think 25 is probably the year where they are like have a chance to make it. I mean, there are so many good teams in the SEC – how well do they do in the transfer portal? Do they actually land the guys they need to lead to land in high school recruiting? And do those guys work out? I mean, that's really to me what it's going to come down to for Hugh Freeze. There, I, they're off to a really nice start in recruiting. I, I think they're going to going to land the guys that you know. When I just look at the map, I'm like, all right, that's a kid that Auburn should land if Auburn is right. And I, I think so far they're they're on track to do stuff like that. 2024, of course, being the expansion to 12 teams in the college football playoff. So the idea that you're contending for a national championship does not even require making the SEC championship game, my opinion, by the time we get to the 12-team playoff. It's also the year that Texas and Oklahoma joined the SEC, making it <laughs> slightly more difficult. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's that's that's why it's another reason why it's right now in this landscape, it is really hard to just be like, yeah, it should take three or four years. It's like, I got no idea. Going to be very interesting and uh, much more on the conference realignment side of things coming up. Bud, um, you mentioned heading into the show that we've got uh, some proposed changes to the recruiting calendar. I know that coaches have been voicing, you know, either at AFCA or privately to reporters or especially even I'm, I'm hearing that like, you know, they're going straight to their conference commissioners and being like, what can you do to try and help us out right here? What are you expecting to see in terms of the way that the recruiting calendar uh, could change or at least what are they proposing? Sure. So it, it looks like they're just trying to eliminate some rules. And, and this is something that I think a lot of people think will get passed. So they're, they're keeping their, their proposal somewhat narrow. They're eliminating some rules that used to get popped on 
because they're basically unenforceable and they're just sort of pointless. So prior, there were certain times of the year where you could go to a high school, visit a senior. But if you saw the junior, it, basically, you could just like kind of wave at him, you know, it's like, say, hi, nice, nice to meet you. You weren't allowed to like have conversations with him after you watched him play in, in a basketball game. It was sort of this like, hey, I'm kind of flirting from afar, right? And, and I'm not allowed to officially be here. And it's just nonsense. Like, who, who is harmed in the process of a player talking to a coach in his junior year? I, I'm sure we're going to hear about how they're, they're pulled out of class or whatever, like, like they're not on their phones in class anyway. Um, so I, a lot of it is just simplification of that, changing some dead periods, eval periods, and quiet periods around. Uh, Kirby Smart seems to be pretty in favor of this, by the way. His comment was that he thinks it will keep some uh, some coaches in college football as opposed to going to the NFL, which, again, for the most part, appears to be a straw man argument uh, you know, put up by coaches here in, in college complaining about how, how tough their jobs are. And their jobs are tough, but they're also really well compensated for doing those coaching jobs. There does not appear to be a, a mass exodus at this point for the NFL because – the NFL doesn't want most of these guys because most of them are in college because of their coaching or their recruiting ability, not their coaching ability. So uh, anyway, it I think it will be better, most likely. How many how many college head coaches left for the NFL this year? Um, none. None. Zero. Yeah. How many former NFL head coaches returned to college and got nine point two five million a year to do so? <laughs> mm-hmm. one so yeah i mean it's because again we're also the, the congress congressional meetings where they're telling them about their dwindling athletic departments 24 7 sports tweeted a graphic a nice graphic today with the top 10 salaries of college football head coaches and uh 11.7 million 11 and a half 11.25 10 nine and a half nine and a half nine and a half nine point two five nine nine i don't know how many nfl head coaches are making that kind of money so yeah i don't know if we need, really need to worry about all those coaches running to the nfl for less money but less work well the 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 change that i think would i mean but like but isn't it moving the early signing period like isn't that where you really or at least changing the transfer portal window I mean, and I know that we're still only a couple months separated from that, but that was the real crunch that I heard was that it was the coaches who were talking about the end of the season, the bowl game preparation, locking up your early signing period, trying to also recruit the transfer portal at the same time, like all of that happening at once and also the coaching carousel, which means that, you know, you're taking calls, you're doing interviews and, and all of those things happening all at the same time. That to me, I thought is the thing that probably – probably need like that would be dramatic changes if we win yeah in that. yeah and it, it doesn't appear like like they're they're putting that forward this year I, I, my guess is that it would be very difficult to get everybody to agree on that um and there's a lot of unintended consequences you know as don draper said that that's what the money's for to deal with the inconveniences and it sucks but also a lot of these guys especially at the power five level are, are making six seven hundred k you know like if you don't like it leave that's that's what the money's for. Mm. All right. Here's the deal. Because we're, we're about to hit the break and we're going to dive into this. And I'm going to go ahead and set this as a standard. We're going to treat this like timeouts, right? In the first half of the discussion, you're allowed to say three times you take the checks, you take the losses. No more, okay? If you okay. exhaust all your take the checks, take the losses, then you do Per it conference or per per show? It is. We, we are going to do half the conversation <laughs> and hit a break. That will be the halftime. Then you get to reload your three okay. for the it. second half. It's a technical foul if you exhaust your take the losses. Sounds good. Coming up on the other side, 
We're going to start, of course, in the Big 12, where Cincinnati, Houston, UCF, and BYU are going to be joining the conference this offseason. Of course, already making those preparations now. Who's got the best chance to contend at the top of the league? We'll get into that and more next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast. Again, we are going to be looking at a Big 12, which for a moment uh, is going to be extremely bloated as Texas and Oklahoma still have one more year in the conference. And we are going to be having the arrival of Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF, uh, all from the American Athletic Conference, and BYU coming over from being independent uh, to join the Big 12. So of Cincinnati, Houston, UCF, and BYU, wanted to get started with a thought that based on where each of these four programs is, coaching, resources, you know, all of the intangibles that you want to take, who do you think is in the best position to make the most of this step up in competition? Tom, I, I would go. I think it would have been Cincinnati had Luke Fickle not left for the Wisconsin job. So I agree. I UCF just, but even that, it's not like high confidence. Like I feel like everybody's kind of on the same level at this point joining the Big Twelve. They're all kind of in the same boat. I, I think it's UCF as well. Uh, I thought they had some nice wins due to NIL on the recruiting trail last year. I think NIL is one of the main reasons that that Fickle got the heck out of Cincinnati. Honestly, like if, if you read some of the reporting there, it seems like Cincinnati's NIL stuff was not not up, up to par with what they thought they would need to compete in the Big 12, and thus he jumped for Wisconsin. Went, heck, maybe he could have had better jobs in prior years, right? Like We, we all think he could have gotten Notre Dame if he wanted it uh, the, the year prior, I would assume. Uh, so... I'm going to go with UCF. I, I think their ability to get players is uh, is better than these other teams in this league. Cincinnati's not a, not a crazy hard place to get players to, but it's harder than UCF. Houston, sort of the same way because UCF's been better in these kids' lifetimes, and BYU is just a ton of challenges. Uh, so I, I think it's UCF, in my opinion, kind of clearly. I'm I'm of the opinion that Houston can benefit from this and that Houston, which has pockets and money, like Houston's got the resources side of this. And <clears throat> depending on where you are, you're at with Dana Holgerson right now, um, I would, you know, if we're just, if we're only looking at the head coaches, I cannot say definitively 
that I would put Gus Malzahn way ahead of Dana Holgerson. Gus Malzahn has won at a higher level than Dana Holgerson has, but I don't know that it's like a great tier above the other. Kalani Sataki is just like such a big program fit kind of guy. And BYU is so unique to this, but I look at the resources side of what Houston could do. And I think about where Houston was at in terms of, you know, its peak as a, you know, an innovator within all of college football and and sort of where Houston was at its peak in terms of uh, being great in college football. Obviously they went through some issues and they had a little bit of a downturn, but in making a return to power conference play, I was, I mean, they got that Tillman Fertitta money. I just thought that Fertitta money was going to be able to to make some things happen in a way where, like, you want to do the the big check, like the big check that can make things change. I I think that Houston has an ability to tap that, and I was uh, I'm I'm encouraged and intrigued by whether Dana Holgerson is going to be the coach that's going to be able to maximize on that opportunity for the Cougars right now. And then, or you want to go on Houston? Well, I, I think you bring up a really good point, Chip, and, and I I picked UCF, but like if you said, hey, would you take one team or the field to have the highest finish of these four this year? I'm I'm taking the field. They all have some ability here for sure. My, my pushback on that is Houston's had those advantages for a while. How many American athletic titles has Houston been winning? How many have they played for? That's what I'm saying. It's one. There's been a whole lot of seven and five, eight and like they went thirteen and one in Tom Herman's first season in 2015, which you know they got to New Year six. It was great that Houston was the new power G5 powerhouse. Then they followed it up with nine and four, seven and five, eight and five, four and eight, three and five in the COVID year, twelve and two, 2021, and then rebounded with eight and five last year. I just that program has not been nearly well, it's been consistent. It's just been consistent in the wrong ways for me to think it's going to just step into the Big 12 and be the best setup to compete right away. Maybe more long term, I'm with you on that, Chip. I just think that in 2023, I, I think they're probably going to be more middle of the packish. How do you how do you look at BYU and, and have a confident take on the way this is gonna work? I the one argument you can make for BYU. Is that it's it's been independent, so it doesn't it doesn't have the history of being in conferences and being all that. But if you've looked at its schedule over the years, it's not like BYU has ever been ducking anybody. Like they're consistently playing Big Twelve teams every year. They're playing BYU won the Pac twelve South. That's what I'm saying. BYU won the Pac twelve South. They got a division title hanging in that stadium. They played a bunch of power five teams every year. And in 2020, they won 11 games in 2021. They went, well, they didn't get to play any power five teams in 2020. So throw that aside, but they did win 10 games in 2021. So I just feel like, especially with the COVID year, because BYU is always older than everybody anyway, (laughs) like with the COVID eligibility, like they might be in the best shape simply because everybody on that team's 23 and 24 years old. And I, I wanted to be clear when I said, I, how can you say with any confidence? I mean that either way. I cannot confidently tell you that BYU is going to hit the Big 12 and drop to the bottom of the conference. Mm-hmm. I cannot confidently say where they're going to land at all. It is such a unique geographical fit. It is such a unique fit in terms of, like, Bud, you mentioned, like, the problem with getting players. They're looking for different players. They inherently have a different pool that they're going from, and they're, like, 
the zig than zag pitch. Like if you tell me that BYU is going to consistently be a bowl team because they are going to be older, more well-developed and have more continuity that in the transfer portal era, as everybody else in the conference is flipping their roster and they've got these, you know, issues that are popping up that BYU is going to be at least rock solid consistent. I could kind of buy that as well. I, I could see that. I mean, look, I, I think BYU is not going to just be consistently the worst team in in the Big 12, but I I do think that other teams in this league have a greater ability to get that top-level talent on occasion that BYU probably doesn't have the ability to do. Uh, so, I look, they're also the – all but these teams winning a championship. Like that's the no, like, that's true. Like if you're 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 putting an SEC Big Ten, you know, national championship contender standard to a program where that's not the expectation. Like to for BYU to be successful under Kalani Sataki in the Big Twelve, you can be a good college team and not have five stars and not have a good blue chip ratio because right. that you're not you're not playing the same game. That's definitely true. Um and I, I'm sure their commissioner won't be happy to hear us think that n- none of these teams can win can win a national title. But I I basically agree with you on that. I I don't, I don't think they can, except for obviously Texas and Oklahoma, who are are leaving the league. Um, B, the BYU thing's interesting, man. Like they they're rarely terrible, uh, but they're also rarely like like you know legitimately top twenty level. So I, I one of the things I think this makes this conference so much fun is just how seemingly random a lot of these results will be you know like how many close games are we going to have on a weekly basis i, I think it's, it's probably, probably going to be close yeah <laughs> this is going to be the conference of touchdown or f- smaller spread like every single game it's everything's going to be between like two and seven points and you take the underdog every time hell yeah no one deserves good to, enough to be favored. No one deserves to be favored. Um, all right, so we mentioned BYU with player acquisition. What are some of the other like, concerns, if you and I identify one of the other schools, a Cincinnati, a Houston, a UCF, what are some of like, the concerns that you would have if you were a fan of those programs or you know, working, for the, working for those staffs, you know, trying to make sure that you're in the best position possible to make the transition? The with travel. Cincinnati, it's offense. Uh-huh. Sorry, but I... Yeah, I, I'm really skeptical on Cincinnati's offense this year. They, they lost some really key guys. I think their quarterback situation is not very good. And I'm like, I think their defense will probably be pretty good, even though they lose Ivan Pace. But I'm, I'm looking at, at my sheet here, who comes back for them on offense. I'm like, eh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how this is going to work in, in a league where traditionally, although last year it wasn't true because the quarterback play in the Big 12 was, was pretty sorry last year, but traditionally most teams can score. And I'm not really sure how well Cincinnati will score in the Big 12 this year. I just like I, I just think long term it's travel, like, and maybe it won't have as big of an impact in football because you're only playing the one game a week. But for, it'll be a bigger impact in other sports. But I don't think West Virginia having to travel as much as it has since joining the conference has been good for it. I worry about Cincinnati having to travel long distances for most of its games. I worry about UCF having to travel long distances for most of its games. So maybe Houston has an advantage in that area. But as far as like the football teams in 2023, yeah, Cincinnati's offense is a concern. And for me, I mean, I think Houston's offense is a concern because they're losing pretty much the entire heart of their like tank Dell's gone. Clayton tunes gone. Those two were doing everything for that team the last couple of years. So without them going into a new conference and stepping up in class, it could be kind of a rough transition. So let's rank them. 
one through four against each other for this year or long term this year like and i'm not going to ask you because it's going to be really difficult to do the big 12 order of finish we're going to get that and you're going to be like i don't know the difference between three and ten is probably going to be a win but what about against each other before you slot them into uh the whole the whole conference ucf houston cincinnati byu ucf houston cincinnati byu I, ooh, yeah. I might flip BYU in Cincinnati. You can, yeah. I I have BYU last because I don't know that I love their roster, and because they also play Oklahoma and Texas, which mm-hmm. I, I do think matters. Um, the rest of the teams only play one, so I I agree with Tom's order. The two that I might flip would be Houston, Cincinnati, potentially. So you would have you would maybe do Cincinnati two instead yeah. of three. And that's just confidence in the defensive side of the ball? I, I think so, yeah. Um, but, I mean, like, honestly, I wouldn't put a lot down on, on this being the exact order, right? It just It's sort of – it's really up in the air. Even though, like, I, I've been diving into these teams, I just – I don't know, man. Iowa State was competing for titles. BYU can, too. I mean, it's the Zigzag. You know, like, be – be very Andrew from the chat said that Iowa State competing for titles BYU can too. The the Iowa State blueprint was definitely on my mind when I was thinking that you don't have to have a ton of elite talent if you've got great program development, old guys, good experience. You know you can you can sneak up there. <laughs> Scott Scott with some shots at uh, at Houston fans. There uh, listen. There was a time where rooting for Houston was more in vogue than rooting for Texas. Yeah, it was called 2015. Well, or like 1980. Yeah, I was, I, yeah, I was thinking <laughs> yeah. more of like a generation ago, you know, and like I and I don't know where those fans are, like whether that's going to be a group that you can really ride and and be able to you know, catch a little bit of juice off of, but that that definitely was sort of on on my mind when I'm thinking about Houston, but I am not as bullish on the immediate Houston um the, the potential of Houston immediately being able to jump up. That'll just be something that, again, like probably after Texas and Oklahoma leave too, gives a little bit more oxygen for uh, the Cougs to be able to thrive there in the Lone Star State. Coming up on the other side, we turn our attention to the American Athletic Conference. Wait, do the timeouts roll over? Like, can I say take the checks, take the losses six times since I didn't say it a single time? No, no, it's no, like no, no, a half. No. It's, yeah, it's listen, you, you, <laughs> fans are furious that you get that you kept them all in your pocket. You could have re racked this. Okay. You kept them all in your pocket. Listen, it's not Grant Wells' fault. Grant Wells didn't break the AC, bud. <laughs> Coming up on the other side, I've seen a lot of crazy realignment in my day. You know, you pick up four teams from a league. Maybe you add five teams to your league. How about picking up a six-pack from another league and bringing them all in? So the American Athletic Conference did, giving you a look at the new look AAC next. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 
Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. So the American Athletic Conference will have 14 teams. Oof. As it loses three, UCF, Houston, and Cincinnati, but again picks up six for the 2023 season. Went in, the ski mask on, and came out. With UTSA, FAU, UAB, Rice, North Texas, and Charlotte. They're going to be playing an eight-game schedule with this 14-team league. So, obviously. No divisions. No divisions. Gone. Going to be a lot of, you know, who, who, who's got the good draw, who's got the bad draw. Always relying on Bud Elliott to help me focus on that by the time we get to uh, win total season. Um, got some, I, I think our coaching uh, level is a little bit interesting here. You know, we get Jeff Trailer from UTSA. He's a character. Tom Herman, we've known about him for a, a long time. Trent Dilfer, you know, d- taking his uh, step into college football coaching. Biff Pogey as well. So quite a collection of characters at the coaching levels when we talk about um, the new coaches joining the league. Of course, North Texas also has a first-year head coach. What do you make of this uh, this group that's coming in in terms of like which storyline stands out to you the most? UTSA to me, so dominant in Conference USA the last couple of years. Can they come into an American Athletic Conference, which lost three pretty, you know, powerful schools in that conference? Because if you think of who the group of five Cinderella's have all been during this college football playoff era. They were the party crashers. They were Houston, they were UCF, and they were Cincinnati. And they're all gone. Can UTSA carry that same kind of success it was having in Conference USA and bring it into an American athletic conference that kind of has a power vacuum at the top? Like, I think if you look at the conference, your instinct is to say Tulane is still going to be very good won the conference last year, has Michael Pratt, probably the best QP in the conference. Memphis is a program that should be competing in this conference year in and year out, given its history and what success it had in the conference in recent years, SMU. But can UTSA carry that over right away, or will there be an adjustment period? That, to me, in a conference which I don't see, like like I said, Tulane's the favorite, but I don't think Tulane is such a favorite that there's no, no chance anybody else is going to win this league. I think it's kind of like the Big 12 in that sense where there are some good teams and there are some bad teams, but the gap between the average team and the best team is not that great. And I want to see if the Roadrunners, what they can do in their first year. I I see a bit more of a defined gap between the rest of the league and a few teams 
at the bottom. I, I think it kind of shakes out into like three tiers, which I know we'll get to. UTSA we can go there now. I mean, the you know you, you you can take us there. That's fine because here's the deal. All the to Tom's point, there have been ten American Athletic Conference football championships. About six and a half of them are now gone out the window. Mm-hmm. Tulane won in twenty twenty two. Memphis won in twenty nineteen. Matt Rule and Temple won that thing in 2016 and Memphis earned a share in 2014 along with UCF and Cincinnati. So more than half of the conference championships since this league was formed uh, prior to the 2013 season have been won by teams that are leaving. The power vacuum is very, very real. So, I mean, the way I looked at initially was teams, which if everything goes right, like they control their own destiny and they get breaks around them can win the league and teams, which cannot. So, could win the league, Tulane, SMU, UTSA, maybe Memphis, maybe FAU, because FAU has a ton of guys back, and, and we'll see what Tom Herman does with them. He, he did have a pretty quick turnaround there at Houston. Cannot win the league, I think, based on, on their personnel. UAB, Navy, USF, Rice, ECU, Temple, Tulsa, Charlotte, North Texas. So it's, what is that, nine teams? And then I think it, if you want to separate into like a middle tier – Maybe like UAB, Navy, USF are the middle tier, but I mean, now after I wrote that, I'm I'm still questioning that. Some. You want to put ECU in the middle tier? No, I don't. Uh, wow. No, I, I think uh, <clears throat> I think ECU got rocked by its departures, and I, I think they are like towards the bottom of the bottom tier actually. And they also draw uh, SMU and Tulane, which I think is probably at the top of the top tier. So, what about know, in I'm, the big picture? Because, I mean, I'm, I'm with Tom, too. If, if we're going to go 2023 season and you see a roster that's got significant problems, sure. But given what Mike Houston has done there, is it sustainable to be able to get back to that point where you're winning seven and eight games? And yeah. Oh, yeah. Heck yeah, guys. I, I think ECU could absolutely win this league in, in a different year. I mean, th- there's nobody here. How do I say this? The only team which I think could just totally take the bull by the horns here and be like the favorite more often than not is SMU if they want to spin their way to it, which I Mm -hmm. I think they possibly could. Mm -hmm. If they don't, then I think it's pretty wide open every year. What happens at Navy with the turnover? Becky, take take the losses. (laughs) (laughs) Your assistant just called a timeout. <laughs> but they're in the league. Like, it's, I thought that Navy in the middle tier is is an interesting pick. I mean, this is I I've got concerns about where the mids are going to be at. You know, after um after that tumultuous coaching transition, this is it. I, I'm not so sure that I would uh I would assume that other than and there was a a great uh, comment from Joe in the chat saying that uh you know how many of these newcomers have a lot of experience against the option. You know, maybe maybe there is the, uh, you're coming in there and with six new teams that maybe you're able to go get four wins just based on the fact that they don't have their playbook really built out uh, to be able to have that as an annual test in the same way that some of the other existing American Athletic Conference teams might have. It's definitely a possibility. Definitely it, possible, yeah. Yeah, I mean, of, of the new teams... FAU didn't play Army, right? And they didn't play Navy. UAB, I don't know who they played option-wise. I feel like Rice played an option team fairly recently. In my, in my head, I'm just trying to think about, about games I watched. UTSA That's just because you bet Rice-unders. That's Rice-unders mm-hmm. have been terrific. 
Uh, Rice Energy and Service Academy is 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 golden. Um, Charlotte's PSA, not stopping anybody. I don't care what yeah. offense you run. So <laughs> Charlotte's interesting. Like they took a ton of transfers, and it would be hard to be worse than they were last year. So maybe. Um, I think long term, though, for Navy, they face like the same situation that a lot of the smaller private academic schools are facing. In that, in this transfer portal era, it's going to be—it's already been very difficult for service academies to compete at that level. Like when Navy first joined the American, it had success, and maybe as Joe was saying, some of that was just due to those teams not really being used to facing option offenses. Now they've adjusted to it. They prepare for it every year, and we have seen Navy's performance in the conference has steadily declined every single season. So with the element of surprise, if you want to call it that, now diminished, and the fact that these other teams can take advantage of the transfer portal and Navy just can't, it's just hard for me to see Navy. Re- like They might have a year here and there where they surprise and they win a bunch of games, but I just think that... By and large, they're going to be near the bottom of the conference on an annual basis. So, Tom, let me ask you this. A, for 2023, did you disagree with my tier rankings? Like, was there anybody else you would have in the could win the conference if everything goes right for this year? I don't think – I agree with your tier three for the most part, except for ECU. I I don't think the gap between tier one and tier two is that significant, honestly. I think it's just mostly a two-tier kind of thing where there's good teams and then there's – like the bad teams. I think there's a pretty significant gap between them. So for the future, who is the most likely to move up from tier two to tier one? UAB, USF, ECU, maybe something I'm missing. I would say, depending on how much effort they get put into the program, I think UAB has got a decent shot. I think if USF hires the right coach, it's got a decent shot, but Tulsa. No, I don't think Ooh. Tulsa's ever really. Kevin you Wilson. Really think? I, I'm just, you're saying big. So you picks. think they upgraded with, with Kevin Wilson? It sounds at, like. I believe that Kevin Wilson at Tulsa can be your former Power Five head coach that goes down a level, carries, you know, all the lessons that he's picked up during the rehabilitation journey, and that the, like, Philip Montgomery had Tulsa at the top of the American Athletic Conference. They didn't win the championship, but he had them competing right at the top of the conference. There is recent success at that program that it, you're just saying pick one from the bottom tier that could jump up. I, I think Tulsa might be one. I guess fair. I like for this year, it concerns me how many of their best players that Tulsa lost, like their, their running back was really good and they lost this tackle named Dylan Wade, who, I don't know if he's going to play guard or, or tackle for Auburn, but I I thought he was a meaningful player when when he went out in that uh, shoot. Was it Temple he went out against? I forgot, but he, he got hurt. I remember he he was pretty good. They had like two corners. I was like, those are power five corners, and those guys are gone. I, like, can you keep good players at 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 uh, at Tulsa if you get them? I I don't know. Like that's that's kind of a question for a lot of these teams too. Like the the teams that can do what Tulane did in keeping Michael Pratt or do what UTSA did, or do what SMU, for the most part, did. Like I know they lost Mordecai, but they, they like to the back up there a whole lot, so I, I don't think they put up a huge fight. Um, that is going to help you or hurt you a lot at the G5 level. Being able to identify the players that are uniquely important and being able to put together resources to yeah. keep them up with your team. The retention, absolutely. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, uh, one last one before we move on from the AAC. The league has been you know, reset entirely. There is one school that we have not talked a lot about that has one and a share, so about one and a half conference championships of the 10 years. Is it a disappointment if the Memphis Tigers find themselves fourth, fifth, third, fourth? If the Memphis Tigers are not playing for American Athletic Conference championships here in the next couple of years, do you think that that's a disappointment? Yes. Yes. Very much. With the caveat you put there, within the next couple of years, for for sure. I mean, if they finish third this year, I, I don't think that's a reason to really be up in arms because I, I don't think there's a reason to think that Memphis has a birthright to be better than SMU or than this Tulane team, which which has Michael Pratt and, and a number of other important players back. If they are consistently missing out on the American title game in this American, then, yeah, I, I think that is a disappointment. Yeah, I, I don't think Memphis is a program that you could really peg as somebody who's going to be the power of the new American Athletic Conference, but it should consistently be one of the better teams in the league. Wild how that program um, under Justin Fuente and Mike Norvell leveled up. I mean, that was the, that was a bottom, yeah, bo- like capital B bottom kind of program, and then they really. Uh, really ignited um, everything that was going on around that community. And that set a high bar for Ryan Silverfield. If Ryan Silverfield is the head coach when just when Justin Fuente took over, then being middle of the conference would be perfectly fine. But after seeing what Memphis has been able to accomplish over the last 10, 15 years, it's just not the expectation for Memphis Tigers football anymore. And that's, that's probably a good thing uh, overall. All right. Um, conference USA, the Cayusa. All right. Can I ask you a question? Yes. Do you guys have the list of teams open? Yes. Damn. Because I was going to ask if you wanted to play a game. Of like, if you want to name, name all of them? Can you name a Conference USA school? But you guys have already cheated. So cheated by preparing? Yeah. It's just, I mean, well, for this show, yeah. Come on. Well, all right. So um, <laughs> maybe the listeners could play a game. <laughs> I'll name the Conference USA schools. Yeah. Because- who's the first person in the chat who? Who, who, who can name all the all the Cusa schools? <laughs> so we've got one, two, three, four new programs that are arriving, and there's another one that is coming in 2024. So it'll be five new schools. This is going to be a nine-team league in 2023. They will be playing a round-robin eight-game conference schedule. Andrew James Madison is in the Sun Belt. Correct. Western, Western Kentucky. Yeah. Okay. Is. That is a Conference USA school. Um, <laughs> uh, Kennesaw State, they are arriving in 2024. They will not be a part of it. So, Jacksonville State, making, making the jump up from FCS. Rich Rod leading the way. Liberty, coming from being independent and got themselves a heck of a head coach, Jamie Chadwell, to be able to lead this effort. New Mexico State, which got themselves a heck of a head coach last year, Jerry Kill in the house, and Sam Houston, also a traditional uh, FCS power making the jump. Jacksonville State and uh, Sam Houston from FCS, Liberty and New Mexico State, both from the independent ranks, Kennesaw State coming next year from the FCS ranks. So no other FBS dominoes for us to follow here as Conference USA builds it out. Uh, The OGs who are still around, FIU, Louisiana Tech, Middle Tennessee, UTEP, and Western Kentucky. Um, Is is Liberty about to just like like run the show here? 
I don't okay. know if it's this year, but long to, sorry, Tom, go ahead. I, no, no, I go. In order. I, okay. So I don't know if Liberty's going to run the show like this year necessarily because they lost a boatload of players on defense and it's not like Liberty had been recruiting high school all that much under Hugh Freeze, right? Like they were just kind of going transfer heavy. In my opinion, it was an approach because Hugh Freeze wanted to get back to the power five and it worked because he's a good coach and knows what to do. Uh, I don't know that they have all the pieces there right now to run exactly what Chadwell wants to run, but I do think that at the G5 level, you can outspend everybody to success as long as your coach is not completely incompetent. And with Liberty, they clearly are spending at a level that nobody else in this league is spending at or anywhere close to. So I do think that once Jamie Chadwell gets it rolling, that they will be playing for the the CUSA title on, on an almost annual basis. Yeah, and I, I here's a fun game. Maybe Liberty doesn't win it this year, but if Liberty doesn't win Conference USA this year, who is Western Kentucky? Probably because you because UTSA is gone. Yeah, so it's I don't know. It's it is going to be an interesting league. Um, I want to point out to our listeners who don't maybe don't know because they're not familiar with S S. FCS schools. Sam Houston is also known as the Bearcats, like Cincinnati, but it's Bearcats with a K. It's important to remember for for some reason. And a capital K, too. I believe it's capital K ATS. Like it is like somebody let their ask their four year old to name the team. Like, and (laughs) that's what they did. Cats, cats with a K. All right. So probably Western Kentucky, if it's not Liberty or, or them. I guess you can make a case, but the case also involves Liberty and WKU being like considerably worse than we think. And I think this is kind of what I kind of want to push at is do Sam Houston and Jacksonville state have an actual legitimate shot to just kind of come in this league and they are not eligible for postseason play this year, but do they have like a shot to come in and be successful right away? Can they pull a JMU? You're saying, yeah, can they, can they go and like, cause JMU, with with like obviously as the Troy boy, it, it pains me to say this, but JMU was probably the best team in in the Sun Belt last year, right? Mm-hmm. They, they were not eligible to play for the title, and, and Troy took it down. And the Sun Belt that they entered was a much better league than what I am anticipating Conference USA will be this year. So JMU, or excuse me, uh, look Sam Houston though, Tom and, and, and Chip, have you guys started looking at like their numbers from last year? Because some of these are like scary. They were under 50% completions on the year. Like they really couldn't move the ball against FCS competition. And there's no law. They've been losing, they've been losing coaches. Mm-hmm. Like they've been losing yeah. key staff members that were getting pulled up to the FBS level. The The reason that you're excited about Sam Houston is for recent history, like the last five, six years. Yeah. Not necessarily from what happened in 2022, just that because a lot of the people responsible for that electric offense ended up getting pulled, ended up getting coaches, coaching jobs elsewhere. Um, Here's a reason why Conference USA is is going to be exciting. This is a reason why we are going to be talking about Conference USA and why college football fans are going to find themselves more invested in Conference USA than you would expect. Because I don't think enough people remember or realize that every single Tuesday and Wednesday in the month of October Mm -hmm. is going to have a Conference USA league game on national television television that's right we're talking 
uh, Wednesday, October 4th, Thursday, October 5th, Tuesday, October 10th, Wednesday, October 11th, Tuesday, October 17th, Wednesday, October 18th, Tuesday, October 24th, Wednesday, October 25th. All those midweek games are going to have Cayusa. They are taking a page out of the Maction playbook in how to generate interest, popularity, and buzz. And I think, speaking from a position of a podcast that does dabble in degenerate behavior, (laughs) I think it's going to work. I think that I'm going to be intimately aware of the matchup advantages between Louisiana Tech and Middle Tennessee as they prepare for their Tuesday, October 10th showdown. Don, yes, uh, in the chat, CBS Sports Network is one of the um, networks that this is going to be a big part of. It is a multiple network effort, all nationally televised games, midweek, and that's it. Like Conference USA is not playing on Saturdays during the month of October. They are just throwing it all in the middle of the week. And so I want to ask you to power rank or pick your three favorite CUSA so what do we call it, like Spooky Cusa, Spooky Season Conference USA, October? We'll come up with a good name for it. What's your favorite October midweek matchup in Conference USA? All right, I'll go ahead and go. Tuesday, October 10th, Liberty at Jacksonville State. Come on. Yeah. Liberty yeah. at Miss Ride. Yeah. Let's, yeah, let's go. That is, that is my number one, and I love that it's near uh, the beginning of the schedule on a Tuesday night. That thing will just get wet your appetite and get you ready to go. October 5th, Western Kentucky at Louisiana Tech is legitimately going to be exciting. That will probably be a pretty late game because both teams will score a lot of points. If Sonny Cumbie keeps the offense where it was, probably progresses a little bit, and can get some of these transfers he took to actually matter and and play a little bit better defense, which in La Tech under Cumbie has not played good defense, in fairness. So uh, that's a big ask. But Over under 73 and a half. uh, Oh, God, over. (laughs) Well, look, because like – West no, no, Kentucky, no. To, yeah, like West Kentucky sucks in the red zone, but but Louisiana Tech's defense sucks all over the field, so they'll probably be able to score on them. And then you know, La Tech will, will chuck it around a whole bunch. Like La Tech is a team that could win the league if everything goes right, because they I do have confidence in them. Like they're good enough on one side of the ball. Maybe if they can just be almost competent on defense or something like that, uh, they they could. So that that'll be a pretty exciting one to watch. Tuesday, October seventeenth, WKU at Jacksonville State. Because I, I do, I'm very interested in seeing what the Gamecocks look like with Rich Rod running it. That'll be a home game against a team that is considered going to be considered the favorite to win the league this year. Could be a chance for them to make a statement. So that's one I'm looking forward to. Yeah, right near the end of October, we've got another Tuesday night, and I, I don't know. Right now, they're all TBDs. I don't know if they're gonna. You can't make them a double header. I don't think. I think it would probably be like staggered kickoffs or split networks. But again, all of these midweek days are two games. You get to go into Tuesdays and Wednesdays in the month of October with two games to be able to break down and go and make yourself a pick for. October 24th, end of the month, Jerry Kill leads New Mexico State to go play in Ruston against La Tech. Uh, Jamie Chadwell leads Liberty to go to Bowling Green to play against Western Kentucky. Um, I see a lot of suggestions in the chat as well. I just thought that if we're sitting here talking about conference realignment and we're talking about what Conference USA is going to look like, it is impossible to ignore the fact that they are going to be a thing in the month of October, at least for those who dabble on the degenerate side of college football. Do you guys have any, like, 
schools or states that you're like, okay, that state's kind of like right above that one, but in reality, it's like much further to the east or the west. Like in your mind, when you imagine, hey, that'd be easy to drive to. Are you asking just, me if I know where states are? Yeah. Well, okay. Like, I, I obviously I can put them all together, but I just, for instance, and this is embarrassing, I was thinking, okay, Middle Tennessee State, that's east of Nashville. Liberty is, you know, like in the western part of Virginia. That can't be that bad of a drive. It is. It's it's a seven and a half hour drive, like for, for Middle Tennessee to go to go see uh, Liberty. So, you want to know, know why, Bud, Florida man? Yeah, mountains. That's right. It takes Gotta a long them. time oh, to be point. able to drive around. You can't drive as fast. You got windy roads. You just it ain't ninety five. You can't just go. You know, like this. Yeah, different different <laughs> terrain we got up here. <laughs> Also, because I apparently don't know that Kentucky uh, sits on top of Tennessee, and you have to it go does. more east of Kentucky mm-hmm. for Virginia. Yeah, They're called the Hill Toppers. Yeah. <laughs> um. Oh, all right. So uh, on the horizon, as we start to to spin these things forward, we of course know Oklahoma and Texas to the SEC in twenty four, USC UCLA to the Big Ten in twenty four, Pac twelve expansion potential coming up, you know, as, you know, San Diego State could be going to the Pac-12, uh, SMU maybe as well. Are there any moves that you want to throw on record between now and let's say 2028? Predictions? Yeah. Ooh. Oh, man. Uh, Florida State and Clemson are going to leave the ACC. Uh, 428? I, I, think be, I, I think it'll be. I think it'll be announced before twenty eight. Somebody's got some gold bars that they have buried. Just saying, a lot of stuff can happen in five years, folks. I, I predict that uh, schools will not employ the athletes, but that conferences will, in order to get around Title Nine, because conferences are private entities, and thus it's not an educational thing. So maybe we'll have a new conference by then that's named something else, or maybe, uh, maybe you see what I'm saying. The Super like, League, yeah, that that type of thing, right? It's like, how, how do you avoid paying the you know insert Olympic sport or or female sport doesn't make any money? Well, if they're and not like part you of the leave all the rest business. of them in their existing conferences, and yeah. it's like, all right, now Greg Sankey is leaving his post as the SEC commissioner to be the commissioner of the United States College Football Conference of the Southeast. Yes, Barcelona, <laughs> Real Madrid, and Juventus. It'll have like forty teams in it. Like that's that's your like 40, 50 team super league model, right? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Is the Pac twelve around in twenty twenty eight? Yes. Yeah, but it doesn't look like it looks now. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. I I, I am not the, the big. I think the Big Ten realignment doesn't happen until twenty thirty. It's one of the like twenty eight was five years, so it is a nice round number. But also, I think that the the dominoes will start to fall a little bit after that deadline. Mm-hmm. I I wouldn't be surprised, honest to God, if the Big 12 and the Pac-12 just kind of blend. Conference USA and Mountain West discussed it. Yeah. There was a time. I was going through and I was looking back and I was like, man, you know, in 2013, Conference USA went and got five. They went, got two from the WAC. They got two from the Sun Belt. Uh, they actually ended up getting six, and then they got two from FCS. Sunbelt added four back in 2022. Um, in in tracking all of that, there have been discussions about a potential merger. So it's uh, it would not be unprecedented, at least as something that they have uh, they've discussed in the past. Um, by the way, 
shout out to Ben Whitehead on Twitter. He's like the official historian of Troy football. And he uh, has found a Troy. Job. He found a Troy Coke bottle in the same. <laughs> so we, we might be making an addition now. I don't know. But like this is. Troy boys got to have a Troy Coke bottle. No doubt. <laughs> Yeah, we absolutely. need to get some Troy Boy shirts. You need to get some Troy Boy shirts. <laughs> Let's go. Um, uh, can I do some minutia though before we go? Because yeah, this please. is a realignment. Uh, just for just little factoids. Just remember for our listeners, there are no longer 65 Power 5 schools. There are 69. We are moving from 131 to 133 FBS schools with, as we mentioned, the additions of Jacksonville State and Sam Houston. But more interesting things that maybe we didn't discuss in the realignment aspect, but other conferences did make changes this year. We mentioned earlier, the new American does not have divisions. The ACC this year will not have divisions. The Big 12 doesn't have divisions, hasn't had divisions. Conference USA, no divisions. Mountain West, say goodbye to the mountain in the West, no divisions. Pac-12, no divisions. Sunbelt still has divisions. And also, there are only four independent teams remaining, which is the fewest I can remember in a long time. There are Army, Notre Dame, UConn, and UMass. So it's not just the schools changing leagues. The leagues that have stayed the same still have changed their formats. The Big Ten, the MAC, the SEC, and the Sun Belt are the only conferences still using divisions this year. Oh, uh, yeah. One more prediction that is in, in that vein. I think eventually, like UConn, UMass, Syracuse, you know, like will probably blend in, into some kind of division where, where, like, basically the schools that decide they don't want to play college football at that, like, most insane commitment level for, from from the fans in the Northeast. So maybe they join the American. Ooh. I know you're, I th- I'm hearing that you're like like a more Patriot suggesting, League. yeah, that you're mm, more suggesting yeah. like a CAA or a Patriot League, like go play with Villanova and Delaware. So like a Big East of football. Yeah. Yes, correct. Okay, gotcha. Interesting. We'll be, we'll, we will be keeping our eye on that, and we will be back with you. 11 a.m. Eastern time on Thursday. Remember, if you want to add a question to a future mailbag episode, leave us a five-star review. And in that review, put your question. We'll throw it in the big old bag of mail or show up early. Show up early. YouTube.com slash cover three. The link will be there for you. Jump in the chat and go ahead and put your question. We do take live audience questions all throughout our Thursday episodes. So come on in and hang out for that. And you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Pennell. You can follow him at Bud Elliott 3. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Opening day tomorrow. I can't say it. I won't be here. Go race. Go White Sox.